Welcome back, Red Spotters. Another show here on the Red Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, joined by the usuals. I have here Mr. Peter Martinez, Ms. Alexis Moreno, and Mr. David Francisco. Kyle was supposed to be here, but unfortunately he had other obligations to attend mainly sitting outside and drinking iced coffee, which, you know what, I can't blame him considering uh, what we have going on. That's just a guess. I don't know exactly what he's doing, but, you know, there's that. Uh, I assume everyone is alive. I'm not sure if they're, <laughs> if they're fine, but, I mean, that may be a stretch. Let's be real here. But, yeah, this is our second installment of our Legend of Korra series as part of our longer Avatar segment. Um... Last time we talked about season one, the first uh, 14 episodes or so, and uh, I feel it was a really good conversation. It actually flowed really well. Uh, But today is kind of the main event of this series because (laughs) season two, without question, is the most controversial season of the Avatar uh, mythos, if you will, especially of this show in particular, it, it has uh, some kind of no- notoriety, as I am sure David, Alexis, and Peter will fill in the gaps with some stuff they've seen on, you know, the interwebs uh, when it comes to <laughs> some particular, uh, uh, you know, hatred thrown at this season in particular. They. And I was going to summarize and attempt, you know, to capture all the things that happened this season, but it, uh, I, I, too much happened, and I just admitted off air that I'm having a hard time remembering all the things that happened. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to throw it to Peter. Okay. You know, by all means, Mr. Professor, take it away. <laughs> all right. So what am I supposed <laughs> to say? Um, whatever the, the hell you want. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. try and summarize it. Um, it's about shit. I don't know. Spirits. Okay, this is my issue with the season. Let's get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, why beat around the bush? Um, I'll, this is the season. Well, just to start from the top, that pretty much everyone hates. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, pretty much, pretty yeah. much. Seemingly pretty on brand for me, though. I agree. Um, just not for any of the reasons <laughs> why people actually hate this season. Um, <laughs> most people really like the second half, and they like two little episodes in particular towards the second half of the season and those two little episodes in particular are where i feel the season just plummets and it just becomes shit and i i hate the second half of this season and but most people hate the first half of this season in which i actually really kind of like the first half and i actually think they were building something that was really cool and they threw it away um in the second half i have no idea why but just to talk about what they were building in that first half of the season uh they move away the very start of the season all our heroes move away from uh republic city to go to a water tribe festival yeah and that's where um cora goes to see her dad again who's leader of the northern southern southern the southern water tribe 
and then mm-hmm. his brother, the leader of the Northern, Northern Water, Water Tribe, Tribe, it comes as well. And what's so great about that season? Oh, and a lot of shit happened, and basically there's a Water Tribe civil war that goes on, um, which is very interesting. I actually thought the idea of a yeah. Water Tribe civil mm-hmm. war is very interesting. But what's at the heart of what makes it interesting at first is sort of because, like I said, the first season, like I said, I think it's like all the whole idea, I believe, of Korra is about all of these issues that pop up once you hit the modern world, you know, which is what Korra is hitting the modern world, moving from Mm -hmm. the old world to the new world. Um and what's interesting is, and they touches it even in the first episode, is, you know, religion and tradition versus um, modernity or whatever the fuck the word is. And that sort of clash, because, you know, you have the, the, the Southern Water Tribe, this kind of like, you know, spirits, schmirits, you know, and everything is yeah. kind of getting modernized and... And, you know, the Northern Water Tribe is all mad. It's like, oh, you're making a mockery of our lifelong traditions. And it's sort of this really interesting juxtaposition between the two and this struggle, you know, coming into the modern world and the way that and I love there's so much I actually really like about the first half because Korra just sort of is torn between these two and there's no clear answers as to where her alliance should line align in the beginning and then she really can't come in she's a character that's so used to just coming in and punching her way out of situations and this is a situation that she can't punch her way out of because any way she leans could just spark the the situation even further worse and it could look really bad uh, either way. Like, she can make the tensions worse. And I think there's mm-hmm. even a point where she talks to her mother. And her mother's like, these issues have been here for, like, years. You know, this this is honestly, you're the Avatar and all, but this is probably above you. And, I th- yeah. like, all of that stuff I really loved and I thought was really interesting. Um, and I'll just shut up right there and just see what you guys think. Um, just real quick, I had a point of clarification mm-hmm. i had mentioned before at the beginning i was having a difficult time remembering all that happened i legit forgot that even happened up right? until you just exactly. mentioned it i the forgot second half of the season just abandoned I've, all of it It's completely gone by the time we get to the end of the season I, my mind's <laughs> on like other things first half never <laughs> even happened it's crazy mm-hmm. i literally forgot all of that i really yeah. did and you're like wait oh Oh, yeah. I remember watching that. And then it just dropped off the face of the earth, it seemed like. Um, all the things you said, yeah, I agree. There was, there's some interesting stuff there, too. Um, as far as the first half is concerned, I wasn't entirely in love with it. There were some ongoing issues. Well, I guess to me, the thing that I remember, I think, enjoying the least, and I think you alluded to this earlier in the previous installment when we talked about season one and that would be uh the the Korra Mako Asami thing oh my god this is where it's just the absolute worst I don't care mm. 
I don't <laughs> care. This entire like this entire season, I don't because they immediately just butt heads and then fall apart, and then they spend yeah. the whole season not really thinking the whole about season. it or just giving a shit, and then they had they try to force like, the like love triangle back to in. Force it. Yeah, yeah, it's so forced. Yeah, it feels really forced, and but like at the same time, it does. I I'll give them credit in that it does feel like a very real relationship. Like this, and that it sucks. That... Uh, yeah, uh, that, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that points for realism suck. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, but like, where is? Stop, you stupid cat. Whereas in the first season, <laughs> it felt like the characters really cared. So you cared about like, mm-hmm. and even though a lot of the shit was like dumb teenage stuff. The dumb teenagers that you cared about cared about it. So you as the audience member cared about it. But here, it it really felt that, like, they were going through the motions and they were just doing it because they had to. Like, every once in a while, they're like, oh, yeah, there, there is someone I'm supposed to be maybe dating, right? Oh, yeah, I guess because I Because it was like also... Them. It was so spread out, and it literally it lasted the entirety of the season. I think they break up Mako and Korra. Like break at the up beginning, the last though they well they break up officially at the last episode of this season. And I think part of what took the wind out of the sails um, of anyone being invested in that is if we thought the ensemble of Korra was large in season one, it gets larger in season two. There are so many characters scattered at different points throughout this world. And it's hard to keep track of all of these things. And I feel like part of, on top of you not caring about the dynamic because of how poorly it's handled, you forget it even happens. I think I, I, I remember feeling like, we're still doing this? By the time we got to like halfway through season two, and I'm like... I didn't enjoy this before. I'm enjoying this less now. Why are we coming back to this? And then there's this whole thing where she loses her memories and then Asami and Mako get back, I guess. But and they then don't. She, they just kind I, of kiss once and then it's just dropped completely. Also, like, like Mako is shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like they took the complaints from season one about how Marco's Mako's kind of boring so they forced him to become like a detective cop and it's just <laughs> first of all I didn't even know non-meta benders could become cops I forgot that, that too yeah and it's like this whole they it, it really does feel like you know what it feels like again it's funny because he's the love interest um, in Batman v Superman how they gave Lois Lane like figure out what this bullet is <laughs> They gave Mako the Lois Lane story of trying to figure out what happened to this bullet. And it's like, oh, the bullet's actually about the bad guy. And it's like, yeah, no shit. And that was his basically his story, <laughs> too. It turns out the bad guy did it. Oh, yeah, no. R- fuck, for real? Well, to be <laughs> fair, he didn't find out the bad guy. He found out, uh, what's his name did? The, uh... Varric. By the way, I like Varric. He's do great. Cholin, <laughs> do the thing. But yes. jo- not Joe Lynn. Joe Lynn. Is it Joe Lynn? Julie. 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 I knew it was something jo- like that. Jolie. <laughs> not <laughs> Bo Lynn. <laughs> it was something. I was right. There was a J. No, um, I mean, I feel like, well, well I think uh, pretty uh, resoundingly, we're going to keep coming back to um, Varric as 
a complete joy throughout his, I mean, any scene he's in in any part of the show. But yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I think like they literally, I mean, Varric is Howard Stark from the MCU. I mean, yeah. it, it literally is that character or that caricature, if you will. Well, he's, um, um, well, Howard Stark was based on, uh, what's his name in real life? Um, Oh, shit. What was his name? It was a real life inventor, movie maker. Um, I'm going to Google it. Go ahead. Keep going. All right. Anyway, um, no, but he, he it's interesting. Uh, when he's first introduced, you, you're not really sure what to make of him or what they're going to go, but mm-hmm. um, it's just pure. Um, <laughs> It's just pure hilarity uh, Howard as it goes on. Howard Hughes, okay. Um, no, I feel like Varric perhaps may be the highlight of the season. Um, at least when I think back to him, I have a smile on my face. So, <laughs> No, that stuff works really well. Uh, I know because uh, <laughs> you weren't there, uh, Peter, because uh, by that point, I feel like we had lost connection. But when we had finished recording last week... Uh, I had asked someone, all right, uh, any famous quotes uh, from this season we can use as a title? Uh, we didn't use it because it was the wrong season, but I think someone had said, Julie, do the thing. Um, and I just immediately laughed because, oh, that's right. That, you know, Julie, do the <laughs> thing uh, with uh, with those two. Uh, and yeah, I feel like the comedy with them is pretty, con- maybe the only consistent thing I feel throughout the season in terms of how great it is. Um, and at this moment, I feel like we're going in so many different directions. Um, mm-hmm. well, you were saying about just... Mako and Asami and and Korra. Is that what? Well, we're, David wanted we still... to say something. I'm sorry. Well, I was David. just gonna go back to the Civil War part of it. Got you. Um, got you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I just wanted to say, like, I I I was enjoying that aspect uh, of the season. Like, it was it was really cool. Like, we're actually seeing now what the Avatar is supposed to be doing in this world. How how the Avatar is supposed to like handle certain situations and how complicated it can get for the Avatar, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it kind of well, they tried mm-hmm. <laughs> at least the writers tried to like show the differences now of uh, this Avatar's journey, Korra's journey, and that you know Aang's supposed to become a super powerful being, but Korra she is the super powerful being but can't do anything. Yeah, and so like. That's what they're. I think that's what they were trying to do in the beginning, but it just kind of well, went. Think of Korra. Somewhere if else. Korra was tasked with bringing down um, the Fire Lord Ozai, like she'd be like, "Fuck yeah!" Like yeah. kill she'd him. Be, I'd bur- roast him she'd alive. She'd agree with all the past avatars. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't be seeking help. She'd be like, "No, yeah, totally." Like <laughs> fuck this guy. Um, she'd she'd be full throttle with everything going on then because it's morally a lot easier for someone Mm -hmm. like her who's just like i i need to punch my way to victory Mm -hmm. whereas with ang that's not in his nature so much so he struggles a bit with that whereas here um her nature is trying to punch her way to victory but she's constantly faced with issues where that's just not the way you're going to be able to solve the problem. Um, and that's why I, th- I thought like the, the um, water tribe civil war was perfect for that. Cause there's that mm-hmm. one point 
where they're in like the middle of the street and i don't know like the two water tribes in the streets are about to like get into a little skerfuffle about to fight each other and then she tries to mm-hmm. tell them both to back down and then one of them's like hey why are you taking their side uh, and then she's like i'm not taking their side and they're like yeah she's with us she's like i'm not taking anyone's side <laughs> and then everyone's like yeah. you suck <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like fuck like i just want to punch something but i can't <laughs> uh, and that's just great yeah <laughs> you know like um and then they drop it completely <laughs> they drop it <laughs> well a lot of it also isn't you know there's a lot of good stuff in terms of um... oh and as far as characters i like her cousins <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah i think they're so annoying they're, i'm sorry they they work for me better in the next season but oh, for the okay. most part they're they're kind of um they were they were fine i didn't care one way or the other i um, like them that's so that's that's funny. two different reactions right there i didn't care about it. alexis didn't like him and peter loved it okay i mean they were fun at times but they were they I were like there the bolin stuff of course he loves them they're mean i mean bolin yeah but not the okay the thing i like them towards the end the, yeah that that I like them better toward that that part um there's a lot of stuff there too also i mean you have it the as far as the the relationships there's a lot of stuff that happens uh for one uh in regard to that civil war we see a much more complicated dynamic between Cora and her father throughout mm-hmm. the entirety of this season which then is kind of you know entirely um made worse by Unalak uh his brother's presence who's the main villain of this season or one of the main villains shall we say at least this part but then that also sets off a different reaction because Unalak kind of breaks up Tenzin and Cora yeah. and then Tenzin has its own separate storyline with his brother the, the whole season you yeah. know what i really like to um I, I guess it's not unique to this season but they really bring it in this season is that she has parents and yeah. like a family and so many yeah. of these stories are just like they're an orphan and it's so the reason why so many i think kid hero save the world type shit are always made orphans is because it's like well what do you do with the parents <laughs> it's a yeah. lot easier to just get the parents out of the way and just have the kids do their own thing but it's like mm-hmm. I, a lot of kids have parents you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you um, everyone's born somehow so I like the idea that yeah she is the avatar this chosen one and what is it like when you're kind of the parent of the chosen one <laughs> like uh yeah the Cora's dad and how like he acts you know and the mom and then yeah like the way she has an uncle i don't know i like that dynamic because you so rarely see it in these types of stories yeah and i actually liked they didn't um go into it but i kind of i like that scene where you just where you talked about where she stops a fight in the middle of the street they're going like, why are you on their side? Why aren't you on our side and all that? Yeah. <laughs> and like, I like how the dad like just came right in. He's like, hey, chill, everyone. And it just kind of shows like she's the avatar. But her dad, though, like is the one in charge, the one that like basically commands respect with from everyone. And I kind of wish they would have like gone into that more. <laughs> but no. Well, it kind of does the Star Wars thing where it's like, yes, there's this larger political thing going on. But then the um, 
conflict is also very personal, right? Because it's yeah. not just a civil war between two tribes, you know, long-standing nations that have had, you know, sort of been frenemies, some beef, then, you know, come together in different times and eras. But it's also about Incor having to deal with those two things, but also her having to deal with, on one side, her dad, and the other side, her uncle. And both represent very different outlooks and futures for their respective tribes, but also different outlooks on how Cora, you know, views things and how she would want to be a um, avatar and how she would want to lead personally. So it's like it has the both, you know, personal and outer level conflicts and fuse together, which make are like the best kinds of stories for these kinds of things. Um, yeah. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have dropped it at the midway point, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a lot of things. Again, even if this, this other thing um that I kind of wish I went into more, but when uh, Unalak was arguing with Tenzin and Kor's dad about, like, uh, she should train with me. Like, no, like, I'm her teacher here. Like, she should stay with me and all that. And what I liked about that is that it shows just kind of um, just how different her situation is from past avatars. Because, like, when the person finds out that they're the avatar, they kind of get to do whatever they want, basically. Like, they're supposed to travel the world, find, like, people who they can connect with that can teach them certain things, uh, either the elements or certain uh, spiritual knowledge of... Uh, uh, whatever nation that they're at but her though she just like she just gets locked up and doesn't really get much of a choice and that's and that's that's kind of who she wants to be someone who can make her own, her own choices and all that but <laughs> this is one thing that like, i kind of want like others to understand is that her situation as the avatar is completely completely different from ang's and like even past ones <laughs> well yeah because i think it has everything to do with that new modern world where it's like what is the role of the avatar now you know in a place where you know you can't just pop in like who what was his name the 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 one before ang um ten not ten um, um roku. Roku. roku roku yeah like he just popped into the fire lord uh, when he started invading people and it's like hey not cut that shit out or i will kill you you can't cora can't do that she can't pop up mm -hmm. to you know presidents and leaders and be like do what i want or i'll kill you that would start a war <laughs> that'll start you know you have news stations, you have public opinions. Like, I don't know if it was in this one or in season three where she had polling, where she was polling numbers. <laughs> yeah, she polling had polling numbers. numbers. Well, there were, they had some of that stuff in season one with the council. There was yeah. a lot of politics there. And it's like, she can't, the, what, that, that's one of the big questions moving throughout this series. It's like, does this world need an avatar now? Like, does it really? Um, and if they do, what role does she play now? Because she can't play the same role that her past lives did. Because it's just, mm -hmm. it's not the same world. Um, I will say, though, I was a little... Um, I was wondering where they were going to go with this. But I was a little upset with her. Um, when she fired Tenzin. It's like, mm -hmm. fuck off, you old creep. I don't want you here anymore. And I was like, 
that was harsh. I mean, and then he had his own thing. I mean, to me, I, I really did enjoy a lot of the stuff with Tenzin and Kaya and Boomy. Um, and yeah, they were setting up stuff with Janara, who I feel doesn't really arrive as a character until next season, although they try to this season. Again, more on that mm-hmm. later on uh, with the whole spirit connection. But those interactions were enjoyable. Um, did feel bad for him, though. Technically, they're new characters. Um the boomy mm-hmm. and um and kaya and kaya because yeah. i mm-hmm. love the stuff with Ten- i mean everything with tenzin this entire show i think is amazing yeah tenzin's mm-hmm. like my yeah. favorite character yeah. yeah yeah and i mean this season i don't know because like i can't say like which one i like more because i feel like this one just because it has a connection with ang like i obviously love it well these but, are like, his children season, I yeah. mean, just on that level, it's just so yeah. fascinating and seeing then, like, his children just talk about yeah. each other, about their family upbringing and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's, and I, I so wish that Kyle was here because I actually wanted to bring this up. Um, because it's very interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I think that, like, the thought of Aang not being a good parent, not, I mean, not that he wasn't a good parent, but just like, uh, not the best. He wasn't perfect. Parent. When you're yeah, the avatar, you have this yes. expectation that you're the perfect. And this is a person who literally saved the world for all time. But yeah. then, as you know, he is all, he's when still it a comes human. To personal things, it's like, okay. He's like, a human, then he still has his own failings. Yes. And, and also, yeah. like, the way that he got his upbringing and stuff also, like, affected that. And all of the trauma that he lived through obviously affected that, too. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up to Kyle is because, I mean, I'm bringing this up, but, like, it has nothing to do with it. But um, aside from, like, different plot points that happened, but in The Cursed Child, that was one of, like, the big things that uh, Harry wasn't a good dad. Oh, yeah, and I'm like, but, like, I always kind of thought, like, yeah, like, that makes sense. He didn't have a good upbringing. He didn't have, like, he had examples and stuff, but he himself, like, never had that for himself, like, mm-hmm. just him, you know? I also feel so- people, let's be real here, I think people have this tendency, especially when we're on the internet, to over-exaggerate things, um, especially when they're on, when they're presented on screen as clearly being nuanced. Kaya and Boomy love their father. Yeah. yeah. They don't, they never at any point say he was terrible. But, mm-hmm. I mean, all of us have siblings. I mean, we, we, we know what it's been like that situation. And we know like, hey, I mean, you were Tenzin, you were his favorite. I mean, you were the yeah. youngest, but you were his favorite because you're an airbender. And that yeah. made you more important <laughs> than us. And that did hurt us. We still mm-hmm. love him. But, I mean, that shit's real because that happens. Like, it really happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but like you also get that side of like the pressure that he is in to meet his dad's expectations mm-hmm. that he put on him, and yeah. a whole freaking culture on his back. You know what I mean? Like that's nuts. What's What's <laughs> interesting about that too is like we talked about this in the first season, but that extends to a lot of these characters, their personalities, you know, their interpersonal interpersonal connections with the people around them like one of the i in the i can't remember at what point i think it was the first season they talk about it one of the big reasons him and uh what's her name didn't work out uh uh lynn lynn bayfong is because he wanted kids um but 
I, I often wonder, were having kids that important to him or was the continuation of the air tribe the that air his nation. father yeah. instilled mm-hmm. in him that important, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, if that sort of duty wasn't bestowed upon him, would he have been okay with not having kids and, and have remained, mm-hmm. you know? So it's it's that kind of interesting character stuff that i i really really like about them and and you're right alexis it's not that ang was like this evil terrible father yeah it, it's just like they weren't a perfect family <laughs> yeah. yeah um he was important he had a lot of shit to do he may have is there a real thing is there any such thing as a perfect family let's yes. be real about that come on yeah. there is mm-hmm. there is oh my yeah. god <laughs> <laughs> all right well what's an example of a perfect family in your uh eyes? general iroh his mother and uh zuko the fire lord Okay. Wait, there's oh, wait. Wait. <laughs> oh, uh, you're ignoring what the history <laughs> that lineage started a hundred year war well i'm saying the cur- the ones that were currently alive during cora they they were um that's um, i mean i will not agree with that because that that's on you but if you read the comics <laughs> I don't know about that. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I, I feel like we all really enjoyed Tenzin, uh, but I think that it's really a good dynamic. They give a lot of time with that Kaya and Boomy. They have different personalities. They're all uh, mm-hmm. uh, hilarious, even. Uh, yeah. I also, I also do like those little details that you see uh, that you get of like how they were raised, yeah. um, not just like from Aang, but. It could also could have been from Katara. Mm-hmm. So Boomy, he's a non airbender. He's a non bender, and he just and they all and they said like, oh, you always get, put yourself in danger. Try to like keep up with us. You were always reckless and blah blah blah. And I'm not sure if people forget real quick. Um, uh, and we all know Boomy, who he was named after King Boomy from the original series. But uh, mm-hmm. Kyle was named after Katara's mo- uh, grand no mother mother. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah. No, I think was it's it her. The, what was the grandmother's name? Um, Grand Grand, isn't it? No, no. <laughs> well, was, she had an actual name. I think I don't know. I think I think Kyle was her mom though. That was killed, right? Yeah. Okay. It mm-hmm. would make sense why you would name after some, you know, no, your, yeah, yeah, your yeah. murdered mother. I mean, that she know. brings up ten times. But yeah. you know, Boomy, uh, Boomy, he always like. I guess he tried to. He would try to put himself in the center of attention mm-hmm. in the family, but. Kaya being the middle child, she got to do whatever she want. And so you get that. The personalities are right there. Yeah. yeah, They kind of speak for themselves. And they literally tell you this basically. Like when she said, uh, like, oh, I was the one that I came back to mom when dad died and all that. It's like, because you were gone for like, who knows how long trying to find yourself. Yeah. Apparently she just took off and did whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically how people always write middle child is that they're, they just like, they know it pays attention to them basically and just do whatever they want it's a common thing it's hilarious to me um tenzin what perfect timing uh let's go on vacation uh in the middle of a civil war breaks out <laughs> um 
Uh, was it? Well, he just got fired, so might as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that funny part where she comes back and she explains everything that happened, and Tenzin's just like, "I knew it." <laughs> <laughs> and they, dude, his his siblings just stare at him like, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> but like with Boomy, him joining the um, the the navy or whatever. That's mm-hmm. probably really highly influenced with him just trying to impress his dad. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have that one scene where he's talking with to statue the statue of his statue. father. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry I wasn't a bender, but like, I did what I could to protect. Um, <laughs> imagine how much, uh, man, that's like the one thing I wish that we did get was something with Sokka. Especially with him, because I feel like they... They, they probably had a really good relationship, close. yeah. Yeah. Oh. We get next to no Sokka in this whole show, no, which always no. really made me wonder what which happened there. interesting, because he was alive when Korra was alive. Yeah, immediately after Aang's death, basically, mm-hmm. in he the was, reincarnation. He was still alive, so... I don't know. We, we, but there's that, so that many characters you just don't hear about because they're not central to the story. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, you know, just in reading about uh, the, the, chronolo- the the chronology of all of this is that Aang died relatively young. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, he had 100 years, 100 plus because he was in that iceberg. But from what I read is um, the years caught up with him in the end. He died in his early 60s. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, the the the... The human physiology of it, but because of the I iceberg. I think he was 162. Yeah. But like, that's like, plus the extra years. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And this is our basically almost two decades after that happened. So it's like, it's an interesting dynamic because you almost get the sense that there was a lot left to be said. And he his death might have caught them unaware a little bit. I mean, 60 some is a little, especially since everybody else lived. Uh, guitar mm-hmm. is still around. And I don't know if you saw that post. Uh, they put like the age of like the past avatars or like mm. recent avatars. And they were all like, I think, um, what's her name? Kiyoshi. Kiyoshi. I th- she was over 100 when she died. She was over 200. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. But so, the water tribe. But what's his name? The water he was one in died his 30s. He... Yeah. Yeah. But that was because Avatar Yang Chen was, who was the heir, kind of fucked up, <laughs> apparently. She, like, um, uh, kind of, uh, I guess you could say, brought imbalance to the spirit world. And so that was Avatar mm-hmm. Karuk's job now to kind of fix as much as he could. He spent a lot of his time in the spirit world, apparently. And since time kind of goes uh goes differently in the spirit world, he kind of lived older. Was that the reason? I I had no idea because they had no. That's what I heard. Oh, okay. That I, I saw it on the internet. I could I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah. Um. Before we get lost, there's just a lot, a lot left to go. We haven't even gotten to the second half of the season yet, but there is <laughs> there is the stuff with uh, Republic City. So aside from Mako and the, the the wild goose chase he was sent on, basically, um, Bolin becomes the first ever movie star, and Vera kind of invades the movies or the movers. Movers. <laughs> and there's a whole like funny like um, 
World War II Nazi propaganda <laughs> thing with Varric making anti-Unalak propaganda films. It. Uh, what was the character uh, that Bolin made? Oh yeah, um, Nuktuk. Nuktuk. <laughs> um, how did I'm? I'm curious to see how you guys thought of that. That was an interesting uh, storyline. It was honestly a waste. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, uh, I I like that they showed movies in this world, especially like the first time you see it, like in the show, he's actually showing a what was it called, ostrich horse running around, which right. is literally what happened in our world. On it was a horse, and so that that was kind of fun. Uh, but honestly, that's that storyline was kind of boring. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I it's weird. Okay, because a part of me, I think this is the point of the season where it started to wobble, and I'm like, mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Does this is this going anywhere? Is this a point? Yeah. And then by the midway, it's like it it just completely falls apart. Um, it, to me, when they leave the water tribe, is where it starts to go like. Okay, where are you going with this? Because there was some interesting stuff. Like they were, um, speaking of Sokka, they were like marching peacefully, you know, asking for um, the um, the release of northern occupation of the southern water tribe. And they're walking in the streets when they were attacked. And it's like, oh, like this is, you know, interesting. Uh, and then I think it's somewhat interesting where they're like making propaganda films to try and get politicians to or just pub the war. public sentiment to support right. the war. And it's like, OK, mm. this stuff is kind of interesting. But then you got stuff with like Mako being a cop. And it's like, I don't care, Mako. You're just there to stand there and look pretty. Um, Asami, Asami I guess, is there too. Is kind of well, her whole thing is trying to keep her father's business afloat which is now her business right, right. um which again it's like i kind of don't care it's just like it feels like all the side characters don't interact at all with cora mm -hmm. for most of the season and if they were all growing but growing separately it's like okay but the only one that was growing at this point was really cora and it feels like yeah you're giving, again, Mako has the fucking Lois Lane plot because just gotta give them something to do. Uh, and then I thought, like... Well, Lynn's a movie star because they gotta give him something to do. Yeah, it was um, somewhat interesting, but then it's like, then it, until it wasn't. And then the same with Asami. It's kind of like, well, she's kind of having to keep her business afloat. But it, uh, most of it just feels like busy work for the this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really weird because like it doesn't really connect in the end. Like yeah. everything that they were going through, it doesn't connect. That's a theme here. But it, it seems it makes sense. At least for me, it makes sense for the character to do this. You know, Bolin, like we always said, he's the comedic relief in the show, and but he's also very like he's very fun to watch. So it makes sense, like when you introduce movers, that he kind of goes into the movies. Yeah, all of these things and make then, sense. I, I mean, the, yeah. the, I don't think anyone really questions that. I just feel like perhaps it wasn't a worthwhile storyline to see being explored. I mean, that's kind of the trade-offs mm -hmm. that you have with the show is that, look, and maybe one of the ways why people um, 
you know, they, they want to compare both Avatar shows. They want to compare both team avatars. Unfortunately, though, because of the storyline that they were doing this season, they had to separate team avatar, which, you know, we've seen stuff like Star Wars where they separate their main core cast and they each grow in their own ways apart. But a lot of the stuff that was given to team avatar, Asami and Bolin and, and, and Mako felt that that was actual filler. Because it didn't go anywhere. It was like, okay, we need a couple of minutes in this episode with Mako to push the story along, but it really isn't going to grow his character, which is the most important thing where we're going to be using him. And ultimately, not not only do their individual characters suffer because there's no development, but they all the group component is just lost entirely because it's just non-existent. Um, it, it kept annoying me though. Like, I mean, we're in Republic City, and we, I felt like, I felt like we barely saw. Lynn Beifong this season. Yeah, she's she's kind of not and and again the best seasons are when late Lynn Beifong's around and in a <laughs> in a big way. That's all I'm saying. Oh yeah. Um yeah. And she's kind of not in this season, which really, really surprised me like at, like at all. There is one joke that I thought was funny. Um when again, their their back and forth bullshit just gets it's at a point where it's like I don't they don't even care, so I no longer care. I think Mako like breaks up with Korra at the <laughs> at the like police station and she like crashes it. And then Lynn's just like leaning on the, the side of the, the like the door, like, you should have seen Airbender Island when Tenzin broke up with me. <laughs> No, you got like the whole thing. I like the whole thing though, because she comes out going, "What the flame is happening out here?" First of all, I love the idea that Ang actually got flameo to be a thing again. And not only that, he got Lin to say it. That's the thing. They were probably really close when she was little, and he's like, "Like, say it. It's cool." I I saw like a theory on the internet. Someone was like, "I'm convinced that Ang's friend Kuzon like made up the slang Flamio for him, something like that." It's just always kind of funny. And they even mentioned it in the first season, Flamio. It was like Flamio cereal or something like that. It was funny. Oh my god! No, yeah, but yeah, she got like the best joke in that season <laughs> one funny interaction even though it, it may have come out of personal frustration in terms of mako's character but one was when cora comes back this i don't want to get to that point but she comes back and she forgets that they broke up and she kisses him and he's all like okay. and then he looks at everyone and they're all like I don't know. they're all like i don't know what to tell you man you figure it out <laughs> Because everybody knows they broke up. Yeah. And then yeah. she just comes up and kisses him. And it's like, and As- Asami is, again, pissed. Dude, like, she always gets the shit end of the I stick. know. It's Dude, okay. that's why he's she such went a dick. Uh, I don't blame him on that part. But afterwards, though. <laughs> no, I mean, I know, but like, geez, I'm sorry. He, like, he's cool and all, but like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> it's I'm not very funny. The faces were funny. Um, also just before we move on because i mean this is this is the last small thing and then we get to the big stuff uh with the middle of the season yes um did anyone find the varic wanting to kidnap the president thing a little weird 
Um, on the sur- this is the thing. On the surface, I get it, right? Because the idea that this hypercapitalist wants to create a civil war in over- in order to profit off of it, I mean, come on, obvious, right? Um, so to a certain extent, I get it. But this show, and this is like a broader issue with the show. I feel like they do point out real issues like that that you can find in the real world, but they kind of all shucks it away because while he ends up locked up at the end of the season, he he redeems himself uh, in later seasons, and it's like. This kind of character would not, in real life, does not get redeemed. And, like, Mm -hmm. looking forward, there's two other villains. And the fascist one gets somewhat redeemed at the end. And the anarchist one doesn't. And it, 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 it is this thing where it's like, you are critiquing it, but then... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a bit iffy, if if you catch my drift, anyway. Mm-hmm. But I'm a filthy radical, so what do I know? Is there anything else concerning the first half of season two that we want to address before we inevitably get literally go down a rabbit hole? <laughs> um. There was something that I wanted to address, but I guess it's, like, it's I more like, prevalent in the second half. So it'd be I, I want to be clear though, because I mean, I think overall, all of us have. I feel like we're, we're on the same page almost because I think overall we have things that we enjoy about the first half of the season, and then there are stuff that we enjoy far less so, um, and there is stuff that is working really well on a creative aspect level on a story level right on the story level but there are other things that are glaring in terms of how stagnant they are yeah i would agree are we on the same page on that Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) okay this is not going to be a smooth transition because that's just not how it is in the season, is it? Uh, Peter, you want to try and... All right, so in the middle of the season, Cora attempts, I guess, to go see the fire. Well, I feel like we didn't really like explain. Basically, what, what's the, the uncle's name? Y- Unilock. Oh, that guy. Um... Uh, He's like trying to get Cora to open master. He wants her to open, open the the spirit, spirit portal. portal. Well, yeah, he wants her to open uh, the portal into the spirit world, but he also like wants her to um, master spirits. I guess. Spirit um, bending. I don't know. Is that the a avatar state? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Is that it? I because uh, that's like if she does that, then she opens the spirit world. So that's kind of like his whole thing. Like besides. Uh, the whole, um, like, water tribe revolution thing, that's also a main thing, but he's, like, doing it for something bad, which this is where we find out. At first, yeah, you're right about that. At first it felt 
and it came off as a very nuanced approach in the sense that he felt very personal about the Civil War as the one that was mm-hmm. kind of leading it. Not only that, but him and his journey of getting the Avatar to get more on a spiritual balance because she hasn't mm-hmm. had that at all um, mm-hmm. before, and that's been established. Um, clearly, I mean, at least it was obvious that there was something uh, else going on there, but that, on the surface anyway, was nuanced. Well, however, what was nuanced? Real quick, what was nuanced about it was in the beginning he was semi right. Like, the issues they'd been having was because the spirits were sort of um, angry angry at them sort of leaving that sort of way. And I think you can also view it in sort of an environmental way. Mm -hmm. You know, like, not respecting nature. And that's the thing with, like, all the villains. Mm -hmm. That's the thing with all the villains on the show. Like, they do have the right ideas it's their intentions that are bad and they go well, to the extreme. i think it's the different i think their intentions are probably good but their ideas are too extreme okay. the best way of saying <laughs> yeah. is i th- i think they have a legitimate and very accurate criticism yes. of uh-huh. what's wrong mm-hmm. how and they they and they offer solutions but more often than not the solutions they offer are very much entwined with a very self-centered desire. See, and the mm-hmm. approach is entirely wrong. I would say that's first half of season one, Unilac. Second, yes, second I was half go, is completely yeah. different. That's why I was saying it's like, at first, you have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, that has that, that nuanced variety that we're looking for in a show like this. But by the time we get to the end, it, it it became very black and white, good and evil. But that kind of happens when you introduce the literal, I think, a manifestation of what God and the devil, right. well, uh, or like <laughs> literally. <laughs> real quick, well, I can't remember what it was. She, I think she was wanted to go back to the law tribe. Something, whatever. Her cousins. Come. No, the Fire Nation. The Fire Nation. Was she, she trying she to wanted, go to the Fire Nation? She was going to go to the yeah, Fire yeah. Nation. Oh, yeah. Well, she uh, was going to get help, I think, for right. the Civil War. Okay, yeah. That would not have gone well. Um, but, I mean, yeah. sure. <laughs> she was trying to get their help. But on, on the way, her cousins under the the guys, the the leadership of their father, it's like, go, go get Korra. And, you know, they chase her across the water, the ocean. Um, across the fucking ocean i was like damn you, yeah. you can bend that long you could basically just yeah, i feel like you'd get tired and drown i don't I know. know it's, a, it's a, a whole fucking ocean because mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know well at that point um bolin had broken up with one of them no yeah well, <laughs> i true. thought that so shit was she, funny they were like they were angry <laughs> i thought that shit was real funny all that but i i forgot to mention that. oh well whatever um what was her name I can't remember. Uh, Someone will Google it. But as they were chasing her, a big old spirit comes out and like nom nom noms on uh, Korra. And they're like, fuck, I guess she's dead and leave. (laughs) Uh, She ends up washed up on the Fire Nation shores where these random people are like, she's in a coma. It's like, okay. And they they, they put her in... um, I guess some spirit waters to try and reconnect with her past lives to find herself. And then 
what proceeds is most people's two favorite episodes of the whole season, maybe the whole series. Um, Real quick, Peter. Yeah. Uh, Desna and Eska. Desna and Eska. Yeah. I think her name was Eska. The girl was Eska, I think. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. To me, though, it just like, it's a complete 180. Like the entire first half of the, the season is dropped once you hit mm-hmm. this point. Like completely. Everything that happened before kind of doesn't matter. Like at all. Um, but yeah, you guys want to talk about what happens at this point? Well, I feel like, so there's the first half of the season and there's the second half of the season, but there's two giant episodes that are kind of the transition from one to the other that in and of themselves, I think are worth talking about, um, on a more, I think, well, Okay. Well, it's it's gonna sound like Peter's gonna shit on it, so I want to say some good things. Just <laughs> kind of getting so, quick. Yeah. Too late. <laughs> this is why it sucks. <laughs> no, okay. no. Well, he's just saying, like I I did love the idea of seeing the origin story, I guess, of the Avatar, and just kind of seeing how the world looked ten thousand years the ago. The animation and and the, the animation dang. is. Honestly, the like, animation's cool. Incredible. <laughs> like just the idea of making it of a Chinese art style make make the world look like a Chinese art style painting. Uh, it was a great idea and all that. And so and Avatar One, who is the first Avatar, also apparently won Voice trans- by Glenn by the Walking Dead. Yeah. From the Walking Dead. Oh yeah. yeah. Also, really? Was yeah, that was yeah. Uh, also, apparently, like Juan, the name means one. <laughs> so, like, I just Juan, one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He um, was number uh, one. <laughs> uh, he he was a great character, honestly. Like, you really saw a bit of both Korra and Aang in him. Like, he he's very headstrong, kind of like really does fight for the little people, kind of like Korra does. I mean, Aang does that too, but uh, mostly with what I saw in Aang was him. Caring about the spirits, caring about every living, every living thing in the world, and then we're all of us cool, I guess. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I don't at know least for me, there. like I I kind of see those episodes that separate from the rest of the season mm-hmm. because it's just it's like okay, here you go, bloop, and everything else is like. Not <laughs> that. <laughs> um, Before you go, Peter, I want to go first, but finish, Alexis. But I do really like those episodes. Um, I mean, I feel at least like me and David, like we've been invested in this these two shows for such a long time. To see mm-hmm. something like that, I think is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, like, I remember when they announced that they were going to show the origin uh-huh. of the Avatar cycle. Yeah. And like they showed uh like a picture of the character and then we saw who's gonna be the voice actor and we were like I think they showed the tree. Uh I'm not remember, but like I remember they they announced the voice actor for Juan and we were pretty invested in Walking yeah. Dead in that time, so we were like, Oh my god, that's so cool, like that's so great. And and I, I can't remember if we saw the episode like on television or anything they came I, out. I don't remember. But we were just 
mind blown at like what they did with the animation and the story. So I do enjoy that. Yeah. But I, again, I see it as something completely separate from this season, at least. Um, But I think they're pretty great. In fact, it it, would have been better if it were separate. And I think that's kind of the transition that we're going to get into here. Before Peter talks, I did enjoy those episodes. I was riveted um, because, oh, okay. Um, I didn't necessarily expect this to happen, but from a presentation standpoint, they, they got you with it. I mean, the animation was like, whoa. And then you're talking about like the um, equivalent of the biblical times for this world and the beginning of this avatar and that stuff – was interesting um and uh and one is likable and overall you know what i enjoyed it and i think perhaps i i i look back on it better as its own piece mm-hmm. um and i feel like it would have been better served as like a avatar story offshoot short film or something mm-hmm. um because for the stuff that's kind of uh being revealed in these episodes have uh, consequences for the characters and the storylines in season two that I think mark a turn for the worse. Um, I was highly entertained watching them from not just that standpoint, but because I was just laughing like, man, there's so many things here that Peter hates and I, I love it. I'm here for it. This is amazing. <laughs> There's some stuff they're pulling here that is right out of like the Peter Bible of don't do's in any kind of a genre fantasy show. And it was like, hmm, all right. I I think ultimately it was a mistake. And I think it did disrupt not only the flow of the season, but ultimately where this thing went. Because, and even if like we're going to talk about like what this introduces, I have mixed feelings going forward about, you know, Oh, now we have to name drop Rava as a character now that gives the Avatar their power. There are a lot of things I feel that are established here that make it, it part of me is interested in, oh, so this is where it came from. But the other part of me, and I feel this is where Peter will kind of rail into it, is well, I didn't really need to know any of this, and I feel like it kind of lost a little bit of the magic. And now I'm like, it's interesting, but what did we gain and did we lose something out of this as far as the mythos of this character? Those are my questions of it. Mm-hmm. Peter? <laughs> or Unless David, if, if you wanted to answer first. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I don't think we gained anything from it, but I don't think for sure we lost anything from learning that, for me at least. Like, again, when I say that, we don't gain anything from it is because it really it just, just doesn't seem that it came like, out of the blue yeah. it doesn't feel that important for the story like we could have learned about Rava and Vatu without knowing the origin of the Avatar you know uh, but I also don't think we lost anything because it is really interesting seeing the origin of the Avatar and how we got the lion turtles in those episodes too, and how like they brought up the energy bending <laughs> thing. Hold it, which, Peter! Uh, hold it! Hold it! Hold it! Just a little <laughs> bit more. Look, look. You see the stuff you're saying. I hear you. I understand. I think that's nice, especially if you're a fan of of this mythos and this world. 
personally, I just feel like all that stuff is very uh, superficial. There really doesn't add much, I think, to the substance of it. I mean, that's just a personal disagreement there. But, and before we get to Peter's amazing rant, we need to- <laughs> Let's just skip Peter. We need, we, we need to put an asterisk here that, and David did mention, there is a behind-the-scenes production issue that very much played into why this particular origin story was slam dunk in the middle of this season. Um for where the producers and their original intentions, what David told me where they wanted to put this in. All that being said, Peter, um, good God, hold on to your butts, people. Um, here you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm Joker now. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll start at this because it's like, well, what do we lose? I did. That's I liked the way you put that. What do we lose? Um, one of and what do we gain? To to be fair, but yeah, what do we lose? Okay, um, <laughs> I think for me the biggest thing and the most obvious thing is what what is, what is the whole season called? Book two spirits. You're gonna deal with spirituality. You're going to deal with, with, you know, that the spiritual world and all that shit. Um, when you think of spirituality back in The Last Airbender, what do you think about? Mm -hmm. Like, I remember yeah. those episodes where it's like these deep sort of Eastern philosophies where for a kid's show, they would get into it and, and talk about it. And, you know, mm -hmm. removing one's... The chakras. The chakras, one removing oneself from the earth. Um, right these these wonderful ideas about what spirituality was and i'm gonna do it they fucking jj <laughs> abrams did they <laughs> it you took the force and turned it into a superpower and I feel like they did the same thing here where they took all these interesting discussions on spirituality and what it is and what it means. And it's more of this sort of ethereal, emotional thing. And they turned it into a superpower. Spirituality is literally a superpower in, in the second half of this season. And it's so fucking lame. It's so lame. And and one of the clearest ways you can see that is in the spirits themselves. The spirits in The Last Airbender, they represented things. Um, they were these elusive, mysterious beings that it, it really is like looking at something only a quarter of the way. They, they're these weird, elusive um, things that you will never fully grasp. Um, and that's what made them so interesting. And again, they often represented, like the panda represented the, the devastation to the forest. Um, the, what's her name? The uh, the red lady who represented... The water? The, when, uh, what's her name? The pale yeah, the, the pale, pale lady, lady. Yeah, protection of the village and and those people, um, the spirits in this season and really, 
this entire series, they're Pokemon. <laughs> that's what they are. By the way, you don't even know what Pokemon is, um, but that's a pretty accurate description. Like, that's um, literally all they are. They, they're stripped of any mystique or anything interesting to them, and they're just sort of these crosses between animals. Can we be clear? You know, how you how you just said that, mm-hmm. and this isn't something that I was thinking of, at least on top of mind, because I think it was primarily more in, uh, concerned with um, Rava and ba- Vatu, and that's a whole center thing going on. But when you say that, there is a very different approach to what spirits are from show to show. Mm-hmm. Um, that is clear. Uh, maybe more clear now than when you say that. Well, yeah, because now spirits kind of seem like uh, I don't even know how to top what you said, but like a being, like a a nuisance almost. Or like, I mean, yeah. well, okay, like the way that I kind of see it, well, at least like from show to show, is like the ones from The Last Airbender. They're ones that kind of chose to stay and, like you said, they do represent something and they're powerful enough to do that, whereas, like, the ones that show up in Korra are ones that decided to stay in the spirit world, but, like, are obviously angry about, like... Decided or made to? Didn't they... No, they decided. Yeah, they decided. um, uh, Who is it? Uh... The those fish ones from the first seasons, like they I think they're the. I think they actually said that they decided to stay with the humans uh-huh. because of like their love for them or something. And Wang Xing Tong, he he decided to stay with the humans because he wanted knowledge and mm-hmm. he stayed there. But he got so annoyed of them yeah. <laughs> that he left completely. So like, that uh, that's how I kind of see it. Like yeah. like they're able to transcend both worlds if they want to and if they're powerful enough. And the thing though, Peter, you said that the spirits are like Pokemon now. I, and I agree with that. But the thing with Pokemon is that you get, is that you, you have some that are like just very common. They're all birds. They're all little rats walking around. It's like they're all very common ones, but they're still those legendary ones. And that's how I see the ones in The Last Serpent. Mm -hmm. The panda is a legendary Pokemon. There's still a mystery with all Mm -hmm. of them. Because, like, how how do you affect this world on, like, you know, those bunnies that you see uh, uh, Boomy make friends? That oh, follow Genora, yeah. Boomy makes friends with and all that? Because, again, you have the fish in the first, in the first season where they literally affect the way the, the water moves, yeah, the yeah. way they waterbenders can actually use their power and all that. So, I mean, to me, again, there's still some mystery to them. It's just that we're now getting a bigger, wider world. Okay. Yeah. So, this is why you're wrong. Um, <laughs> happy birthday, uh, David, happy by the birthday, way. David. Uh, <laughs> happy, happy birthday from all of us to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, in the first series, The Last Airbender, they go into the spirit world. You see mm-hmm. the spirit world and the way it's represented and the spirits you see in the spirit world are very much still these interesting 
just mythical they, they beings. Go into there, and the and the area itself is is viewed mysteriously as well. Whereas within Korra, when they go into the spirit world, especially later on in the season, it's it's basically Wonderland. Yeah. And there is a difference, at least from a It's fucking um, Wonderland. They literally have a yeah. scene exactly like Wonderland where they're sitting around and goofy characters are drinking tea. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. They definitely uh, made a change in the spirit world, for sure. Uh, even some of how they transform. So, like, the panda and the last airbender, it goes into this, like, this giant-looking... Every time they're the mad, they're is. just purple now. Yeah, now they just glow and just kind of get... Like and not only that, that, it's like just be production issues. In, in, just, yeah, instead true, of but each way. of the issues with the the spirits being can again, instead of the issues with the spirits actually meaning something and finding out what those issues are actually fixes it. Um, they just sort of do a spell. They do their one spell where they wrap around gold light around them, and then the spirits are magically happy again. Might yeah, as well just throw a pokeball at them. Like, I, it's it's <laughs> fucking lame. It's, it, I'm sorry, it sucks. Like, it genuinely... I, I gotta tell you, I didn't expect here. we'd be starting at that level, because uh, I think there are much more in-your-face versions of stripping things Oh, no, yeah, down. this was just my beginning. Yeah. I This was the beginning of the rant. Yeah, then you guys jumped in. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, because it is interesting. Because this was in top of mind, but then when you said it, it was like, well, that's 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 true, and that may be that is, in fact, indicative of the larger point here. It, it that's why when you do these, I don't know. When I was looking at that whole episode that introduced the origin of Avatar One. It felt very much like one of those things that genre shows, a la The Rise of Skywalker or The Timeless Child in Doctor Who, where they kind of introduce these big retcons. And you either go with them or you're not. But whatever, I don't want to classify this as a retcon. Let me be clear. But I feel like it almost has the same effect. And that's why I put the questions, what did we gain and what did we lose? Sure. And so far, that's, I think, where we have to approach this from. And I guess that's my thing as well. I, viewing the spirit world and all of that was really lame. I think they handled it horribly. Uh, they handled the spirits horribly in, in Korra. Because again, the season is called Spirits. You, th you would think that the whole season would be this sort of deeper understanding journey that Korra has to go through. And ultimately, it's just... Good versus evil, punchy, punchy harder than other punch, 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 punch. Let's shoot lasers at each other until the bigger laser wins. Very spiritual. Um, so, <laughs> so, so bad. But um, I don't want to, I, I keep cutting you off here, but I mean, just to point it out, I mean, to improve more of your points here, um, when you say that it turned uh, it into a superpower, 
I mean, that's kind of what everything kind of is dialed back down to by the time the finale happens. Because there's a whole bunch of – it's a light show, literally. And I feel like – and we'll get to the finale, but I feel like it affects just about every aspect of the show, not just from um, a philosophical point of view – point of view but also i feel from the choreography itself i feel is also kind of a little bit diminished because everything is so big Mm -hmm. and i mean because one last thing i know i'm just giving a couple of things here but and then i'll go back to peter but you know we we talked about at least the beginning of this episode talking about the inner complexities and the nuanced civil war of you know the water tribe and and all that stuff that's where we start, and then we end it with a battle of good versus evil of all time, which arguably is the biggest what battle ever. Airbender did right. In the history Airbender of- did that already, and we're doing it here, but I think to a much less uh, effective point. Um, well, let me continue. So, like the whole thing with like showing them living on the the lion turtles and showing how they got the gifts of fire and water and, and how he you know journeyed to learn these things and all this um again i forgot that you just reminded me of that oh my god i i'll be honest i don't hate it I don't love it. But I don't, yeah, I don't love it either. It's one of those things. Because I, I prefer the idea of like, well, okay, people naturally, yeah. if they're born to it, have the ability to bend the elements. It, 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 I like the idea of, because in, in The Last Airbender, they talk about how the first waterbedders learned from the moon and watched as the tides, you know, moved in and out and, and slowly yeah. over generations. Yeah. They sort of mastered the ability of water bending, you know, and and I, to me, that just fits so much better, especially when you look at like a lot of the Asian um, myths and stories that they take from, you know, that to me fits so much better than like specifically the lion turtle gives them the superpower and then, you know, they have to learn it. Or whatever, I, I, yeah, I don't, mm, I don't hate it, but it just—it's not a positive for me either. It doesn't also fit because those are very two different explanations for how bending you originated. Can Dave Filoni technically it, um, <laughs> but again, I rather just not do that <laughs> instead of t- going. Well, technically, we never said. Because they they have that here. It's like, well, they technically he learned to uh, firebend from the dragons, but it's like to me it makes I myth like just talking about the myth within this world. I like it so much better that just a race of um, people, you know, learn to live as one with the dragons and the dragons. They learn from the dragons how to firebend and. Because I, I can't remember, but did they ever have a point where the moon showed them how to waterbend? Like, <laughs> the moon technically is a spirit, but they don't really. Because they show uh, him just... train with the, uh, the, the fire, the dragons. Right. But right. it's, but also like the bison, the bison were the original airbenders. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, 
I don't love it. I it, it's not like the worst thing in the world to me, but I that one's more of a personal preference. Yeah, I, I still think you lose yeah. something I mean, by ex- explaining explaining it this way. stuff. Well, I mean, it's just that it's still they still keep it open. This thing, so like, yeah, like you said, he does learn from the dragon, which is what they said, and and uh, I understand again uh, that it does suck that in your mind you're probably thinking. Mm-hmm. That a whole group of people just somehow befriended a bunch of dragons and everything. But I, again, I think they still kept that bit of a mystery there because he learned earthbending, but there was no badger moles around. Also, it's just him. It's not like they say people. They don't say the Tangly. <laughs> Can we get to the big thing here? Um, well, I, I want to I, talk about Vatu. That's that's oh is that the yeah big what thing? I was saying okay yeah um okay a part- Vatu or Rava or both Ra- of them. yeah Rava and Vatu okay a part of me kind of thought like because was kind of been like okay kind of into this at the beginning because it's this idea of like you know good. Uh, yin and yang sort of this eternal fight this eternal struggle i can definitely see this as sort of a um uh what do you call it sort of a myth that one would would speak you know passed down through the years um it felt like biblical stuff yeah yeah I, i guess my issue is more of how it wrapped up and can can we okay? Yeah. I don't want to cut you off again. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you don't want to, but you will. We're getting into the big issues with the second half of the season. Yes. I really am curious at this moment though, um, your very initial reaction before we even see how it played out of these two episodes that introduced all this stuff as their own isolated as thing. their own isolated thing. I agree. I liked the um, art style. I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool. And I, and I think inspired. I liked the idea of Juan and the voice acting mm-hmm. was really good. Um, it, overall, it it really is that thing where, fuck, it, it, it just feels like every single sort of stories like this like from harry potter to star wars to they just reach a point where they have to you know lift the curtain and show you specifics and to me like mystery is so important to storytelling um Mm. as you know what one of my favorite books are as a kid where as a kid a series of unfortunate events and what I love so much about those books is they never explain shit. <laughs> it's 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 mysterious and dour to the very end. Um, but that mystery is so interesting. And I know if I ever got definitive answers for so many of those issues of the story, the story would be less interesting to me. A lot of times, like, um, I know you guys don't like Lord of the Rings, but one of the things with Lord of the Rings is... The wizards, right? Um, there's Gandalf the Grey, there's Saruman, there's Radagast. Um, but in the beginning, there was five wizards. 
uh, there was, I think there were, yes, there was five wizards. And I think there was like twin wizards that were both blue or whatever. But when they tell the story about the wizards, it's literally like these two wizards went, journeyed westward and were never heard of from again. Uh, And I think they even asked J.R.R. Tolkien, like, what happened to those wizards? He's like, I don't know. You know, I can give Mm -hmm. you ideas of what I think happened to them, but it's, you know, it's a mystery. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck happened with Lord of the Rings. I remember really liking those films when I watched them years and years ago. But for the life of me, I can't remember a damn thing that happened. Oh, no, they don't talk about it in the movie. This is more... I know, I know. But I mean, in general... Like, just to, you know, to say, because you mentioned that we didn't like it. I like those movies. Yeah. I just forgot mm-hmm. all of them. <laughs> and I mean, Alexis didn't like it at all. But I mean, like, I, I can't remember anything that happened besides eagles at the end, I feel. The and eagles. the big floating eye in the sky. Yeah. Um, but I just think mystery is just so important to storytelling. And especially in fantastical worlds like this. Mm-hmm. And so many people and forget that and just feel the need to explain everything. And it's not that explaining it will necessarily ruin it. It just takes away that level of wonder through which you once saw things and like a little less wonder. Well, my um, big thing that left me a little bit with, I think to, to me, what I'm most conflicted on uh, with what was introduced in this episode was the origin of the Avatar itself. Okay, so the Avatar only exists because this person named Juan fused with Rava. That's where my issues really just came full circle. I... I didn't need that. I and uh, not to ruin Doctor Who for for Dave. I don't know if you saw it, but they kind of do something like that with the Doctor in this last season. And I'm like, why did we need to do that? You really just like, I don't know. I feel so like you're I can't articulate. These stories get ruined the second that a female plays the lead. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off with that. I have been on the record numerous times refuting that point. So has David, so has Kyle. You have no um, evidence in your favor of that. You've already lost when you look back at the tapes. The point is, I can't really articulate in words at this moment um, why it is that that doesn't work for me. Maybe Peter can help with that. But before before we should point out what David said, because this is important. <laughs> The production of this, because David, you you want to tell me the story you said about the fact that they had planned this for a different event? Yeah, I mean, they planned on showing the origin in the last Airbender. I mean, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what season they wanted to, but they just never really found a perfect place for it to show it, you know? So. See that that so I just threw it on there. <laughs> yeah. Well, no shit. No wonder why yeah. it felt so thrown off because part of the part of the the viewing the viewing experience of watching these two episodes, it's like, what the fuck? What am I watching? Where did this come from? What happened to Cora? Mm-hmm. Like we literally just like paused the whole show, and then you're left wondering where the hell did this shit come from? And then yeah. on top of that, okay, I get that. I for a time it seemed as if season two was the last. It, the last season and then there was this instance of like well this is our last chance to like tell the story of how this all started but then when you say that they had planned to do this with the last airbender and i'm i'm thinking 
where on where where would they have introduced this big thing it might have well, worked better in Airbender. Been, well, that's why they didn't do it, because they couldn't find the right Yeah, place. I mean, it could have worked in the third season, because, again, you, they uh, what some of the complaints people had is or that four season, Ryan Turtle, they had planned a fourth season, right, at some point? Yeah, that's true, too. But, I mean, I think it would have been better in third, because uh, some people some people's complaints about the finale is that the Lion Turtle just kind of shows up out of nowhere, you know? And like the really the only like, I guess you could have replaced the lion turtle with him talking to Juan, and then Juan relating his journey, yeah, and his ability to, I don't know, you retool the yeah, story like maybe... in that in that uh or I mean maybe not replace you could have still put him on the lion turtle when he's you just want the lion turtle the past... no I'm saying. <laughs> When he's talking to all the past avatars. Yeah. yeah. But that would still beg the, that, that like would still beg the question, where the fuck did this lion turtle come from? Also, I want to go on record. I never had a problem with the lion turtle. I don't know why people ask so many questions about the lion turtle in the finale yeah. of the Airbender. Yeah. yeah, it's one of these things Guys, where it's like, it's here. Just yeah. <laughs> it, it's... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so I just wanted to point yeah. out, like, from a production standpoint, that did influence the creative decision of this season. And if it felt thrown on, it was. So there's your mm-hmm. answer. Um, also, actually, the the lion turtle that you see in the last Airbender, it's the one that gave Avatar one fire. It's the one when we saw yeah. various ones in this one. We saw it's various. It's the one because if it's you see their one. foreheads, they all have the symbols of uh-huh. the element. Oh. That they they all look different. Oh yeah, oh, I mean the foreheads have the symbols of the elements. So in the one that we see in the last Airbender has the fire symbol. That's the one in the. So core. they probably already had the story in their mind. Oh, they no, did yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, that's why. That's what I'm saying. Like, it could have. I feel like it could have easily gone on there. Maybe not the way that they did it on yeah, here. Yeah, it probably would have um, been different to like fully show you everything. But like, I feel like when he's asking past avatars for advice, I feel like he totally would have. That's something he would have done. Like, maybe I should ask the first avatar. Yeah, like, you what, know did what you I mean? Do? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay, so my my big the thing where I, I just finally give up on this shit is the final <laughs> him um, eating Rava, and <laughs> my issue with that is wait, who's him? Juan, Juan or Vatu? Juan. Juan, Juan, okay, Juan, Juan. right. Th- those two yeah. becoming one basically because early in the story. You you hear her say like, "There's literally no way to defeat him." You know, we can't kill each other because as long as one of us lives, the other one lives. Like yin and yang, yeah, basically. yin and yang. So it's like it's almost. It feels like the point is that there's balance, right? And mm-hmm. what I thought, I thought the way that it would be resolved is that he would absorb both of them. Ah, both Vatu and Rava would be infused in the Avatar. Yes, okay. and and he would just and he would be balance, you know, because that's that's the whole point of the Avatar of the Avatar, yeah. right? Yeah, to, to, to yeah. bring balance and stuff. Um, but it would also it would also give you reasons for why Avatars are so flawed because they have mm-hmm. you know good and bad within them and they're humans basically so the idea 
They are humans. <laughs> that the Avatar is infused just with all-knowing Good. perfect goodness kind of takes away the human aspect of what the Avatar has always been and what has made the Avatar so interesting. And again, I think it's so easily fixed if you use both. Right? He, he, uh, if one had infused himself with both and that's that's what became the Avatar, you know, this one being through yin and yang trying to maintain balance within the world um mm-hmm. but instead it's you lock away evil and you are this all knowing being of goodness but evil still exists like i i don't know if locking it up really does anything as we see he even admits like yeah I, i've locked up vatu but like that's literally changed nothing um it just from a story perspective it, it just makes so little sense because also there's like little no drama no conflict because at the end of the day i'm like okay but yeah. then if he eats him how yeah. how how what is like they're gonna be bad in the world because there's was, gonna be both good and to... bad because the avatar is within the world well i mean Okay, so they say that Vatu is the source of all evil, and he's locked up. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. I may have missed it in that really confusing uh, light show at the end of the season. <laughs> I was under the impression Vatu was vanquished. Yeah, that's... and But there's still evil after him. But not only that, the whole point was that you can't destroy one or the or other. The other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why is well, the big ending, also... we destroy all evil for well, all time? <laughs> well, for 10,000 really, years, though. but it's... still. I... Well, not really, though, because Rava says, like, even if I destroy Vatu, a little piece of him will always live inside Yeah. Me. So technically, they did Rava, <laughs> they did what you just said. Like, Vatu is in core now, basically. <laughs> At least a little piece of it. Maybe they, See, they but that, never that also make feels that muddled. Well, it, it is a little muddled because I think they they say that toward the end. But if that was the case, why bother locking Vatu up anyway? Just kill him, and then a little bit of him will always be in you. Yeah. All right. Was, then things will be what fine. What was the point of locking him up? <laughs> Just kill it. I thought if the whole was point fine, was that you yeah. couldn't. Killing was not an option. That's not how you win the fight i feel like at one point it's presented that way but then it's dropped by the end yeah when when she says well oh yeah well i mean part of vatu will always be in me so we have no other option now but to kill him but if you say that and if you think about that well then you you had the option all along you just chose not to it's muddled it's yeah no it is but i just think it takes interesting concepts that aren't black and white and just makes them less interesting and unbelievably black and white well actually did she actually destroy him because the thing though is that you know vatu like he beat the shit out of rava Mm -hmm. and she descended yes but cora though she did the whole spinning no but cora though she did that spinning water thingy 
on Va- uh, Vatu. She threw the Pokeball. She, she threw the, yeah. the, the good light Pokeball. Yeah, and so we don't really know what exactly that does. It doesn't kill us. I kind of we know that. For I'm gonna sure. be honest. I don't want to get to the finale yet because that finale is fucking crazy. Because I still, I'm, I'm still <laughs> confused. I still have questions. Like I'm, mm. I know you have questions. I got questions too. Because I'm not entirely. I am sure actually at this moment um, looking exactly up a happened. review that I read. That way, I have these questions on yeah. hand because I have questions too about what happened. It wasn't entirely. Yeah, clear. but just but talking well, no about these the, two yeah. episodes. I mean, like that's where my oh issue my God. sort of derives from. Um. So where do we go from? But here, like, then? literally uh, after these two episodes, the civil war doesn't matter. After these mm-hmm. two episodes, it just becomes about having to stop Vatu and his ten thousand and Unalak from the ten thousand years reign of darkness. And it's like civil war. What nuance? Huh? <laughs> no, it's the ultimate battle between good versus evil. With yeah. and then Unalak just becomes bad guy. Like the most stale, boring bad guy. Like I, I it felt like he was auditioning for his Marvel movie debut. Like, <laughs> so fucking lame. So lame. And it, and again, it makes sense because he's the dark version of the hero. He's the dark Avatar. Like it became a fucking Marvel. Like oh it's <laughs> it's so lame but like I I'll be honest I don't entirely remember what happened in between these two episodes and then the finale we see Iroh oh yeah Iroh comes he goes to fucking Wonderland and we see Iroh again <laughs> yeah oh that, uh... okay this part I did like was um, Tenzin just having to reconcile with the fact that he's not spiritually connected yeah but that is. Was, yes yeah. that was nice Genora. that was good <laughs> yeah no actually um Tenzin's story after those two episodes it's really really great because like you just said he has to reconcile that he can't he's not spiritually connected to the spirits <laughs> and but also the when uh Genora goes to the spirit world and gets lost and and that, sorry, I'm like totally cutting you off. That's what I mean by like the difference in the spirit world between the last Arbor and this one, where like maybe Aang, I mean, yeah, he's the avatar, but that doesn't fully mean that he's gonna be totally connected the way Korra is connected. Like she wasn't even fully connected. It was only until she crossed the portal that she was like fully in that spirit world, you know? So that's what I mean by like. <clears throat> the difference in both which like i at least to me i feel like it does kind of play like it does make sense but more to the point i think uh what we've just unearthed here is that um the best character tenzin got out of season two really unscathed he may have gotten the best material um because there was good good great character stuff with him him and his family yeah well, not entirely. Janara is involved in something else. That oh, we, yeah. Um, it's still a mystery. Yeah. But as far as, like, when it comes to growing Tenzin is concerned, uh, and it all climaxed, or it peaked anyway, with them being in that lost soul. That's the only area. good spirit shit, yeah. too. It has the funniest scene yeah, in yeah. the whole season. 
Which one? When they're lost. <laughs> and they're like... And then we come around the show. No, when they're lost and they're like, we've passed that spirit mushroom three times already. Oh, yeah. And they're like, no, we haven't. <laughs> and, then, and then the mushroom's like, yeah, you have. <laughs> and then there's well, like a noise. Right, yeah. And they're yeah. like, was that you, spirit mushroom? Was it me? <laughs> <He's> so, <laughs> but it's like yeah, they're no. they're all so in character, and then it's just like this silly spirit. I don't know. It it works there. <laughs> yeah, I, and I was gonna say, um, Tenzin, It's not just that Tenzin needs to reconcile that he's not spiritual like his dad. It's that he's not his dad at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that was, that's his whole story arc basically. And I love that scene where they go into the fog. And again, yeah, you meet General General Zhao again, and he's just like, "I must capture the Avatar. I must capture the Avatar." <laughs> oh, and he thinks that he's him. And Ten, he looks at Tenten, and it's just like, "It's you, it's you." I mean, capture the Avatar. That may have been one of the more, I think, from this season anyway, one of the more darker elements. I mean, that was pretty <laughs> much eternal damnation. Uh, yeah, at its most biblical. I mean, there weren't any like fiery lakes but i mean he was fucking in anguish and in such uh wow that was we probably went crazy he wasn't the only one in there years just <laughs> wandering the fog a whole mm-hmm. eternity yeah and uh i i like i'm tr- i'm kind of wondering like what happened exactly because like he sees ang he sees his dad and like was it ang or like what exactly was he looking at? You know, mm-hmm. was so it like, the fog and, or was I mean, it? I, I, yeah, and like, was it trying to corrupt him or something? But he kind of like broke through it, and I love that scene where he sees himself. Like his his dad disappears. Mm-hmm. He sees himself, and he goes, "I am Tenzin." It's like it's all simultaneous. And then the fog. You know, that brings up a different side question I've had, um, and we brought this up. I feel in Airbender, where there there really isn't. Well, well, it really is an organized religion, and there is this spirit world, and everyone knows it's real. But there, it gets a little. I think my guess maybe muddles a bit too negative. I guess I'm I'm very much curious to see what the rules are because, all right, people die, and I guess they they don't go anywhere. But we have people like Iroh, who are in. Well, I mean, he says he leaves his body, but I mean, I think. He, just died and he's in the spirit world and we see those lost souls that are there in the spirit world so like when people die do they automatically just become a spirit here what happens because some of them do end up here but like where are the former avatars are they always just going to be connected in the spiritual link with the new avatar and then there's a bigger question is when that link is broken where did they go Did no one else have these questions, or am I just? <laughs> it's. I just kind of thought that they're gone. Yeah, yeah, but then why is Iroh not? I mean, that's. I assume Iroh physically crossed over. Yeah, he said that he left his body. Not in this season, but in season I think four, when she's talking well, from with a Iroh. Point of view. Oh yeah, yeah. You you right? No, you right. He um, he left his physical body behind and then crossed i mean this is completely irrelevant to the whole point of the season but these are just questions that i have about this world in general that i'm not sure of anybody else well i what i think is like 
the past avatars are already in the spirit world, like, as, like, spirits. Right. So once that link is broken, they're completely gone from both worlds. Whereas Iroh still has that connection into the spirit world, so he's still there. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, they're just, like, they're non-existent anymore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, in Coco, when they forget, of, or, like, they don't know anybody in, like, the living world, and so they just kind of vanish. They turn into Pokemon. <laughs> All right. Um, is there anywhere else to go before we hit the finale? What was the thing with Janora? Oh, oh she's a big part of the finale. That's the finale shit. Yeah. That just. I I kind of like what they do with her. I don't remember, or I don't know what specific. Part did it make sense about? exactly what they did with her? Because that's where okay. we're a little confused. Hold on. Let's let's just do it. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break down the finale. Okay. <laughs> you need a chalkboard or something. I might. Okay. So, um, Cora goes to confront. Uh, what's his name? Unilock, because he wants to combine with Vatu. Merge. Merge with Vatu and become a dark avatar. Pretty fucking lame, but okay. (laughs) So, Korra goes to do what she did 10,000 years ago and lock away Vatu. She fails, they merge, and they start avatar fighting. At one point, Unilock is able to pull out the spirit of um i forgot the spirit's name rava <laughs> rava pull out rava and kill rava Basically. to the point where all she loses connection to all her past lives and she's like technically no longer the avatar um okay so what Unilock does, he turns into a big purple monster <laughs> and using the spirit portal, I guess. Using the... Um, the spirit arch? Northern, Northern Lights. Lights. Okay, yes, Northern Lights. Yeah, because the Northern Lights were spirits or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. He goes to Republic City and just starts smashing sit shit like um godzilla style it becomes godzilla yeah, he yeah. becomes purple laser godzilla on a visceral level it somewhat speaks to me but okay um <laughs> the kaiju element yeah. anyway at this point she's not the avatar anymore technically i guess she's the last the avatar. last avatar da, 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 da. um so <laughs> All of a sudden, Tenzin's like, whoa, all is not lost. You see this tree? It's a fucking magic tree, okay? <laughs> go go sit under it and think about your life. And she does that. And she magically turns into a giant uh, laser person 
at which she um she goes to fight uh the other laser bad guy kaiju style they're both these giant <laughs> colorful laser people and it gets to the point where she starts losing because her laser isn't badass enough as the other one well her spirit her really spirit powers bad. aren't level 84 yet she should she didn't grind enough <laughs> um and then Janora out of nowhere <laughs> just sort of floats down as a ball of light. And I don't does she do anything? I don't even remember. She she flies in awakened the spirit of Rava within Vatu. Like like I said, Rava said that even if I destroy Vatu, a little piece of him will always live inside how? of me. How? That was well, clear to you? That was, but yeah. how did that was she clear to you. do that? Yes! I don't know how she did it. I she just I randomly floats down. She knew something was wrong. She knew she had to do something in the spirit world, and then somehow she just... But I feel like uh, we're missing, like, so much information. Like, what did she... How... I don't know. <laughs> okay... So then, Cora, fucking, uh, what's it called? Visions the the bad guy and goes inside of him, pulls out Rava. But again, she was a a massive, fucking, laser monster even without Rava. How did she turn into a yeah. massive laser monster without Rava? Because the I guess the spirits helped her? Is that what the implication no, is? No, the spirits were attacking her at that time. Remember? Because Tenzin and everyone else were, were defending the tree as the spirits attacked. So the, the tree spirit helped her? Because the only reason that Unalak even turned into a giant laser monster is because he combined with uh, Vatu and became right. the Dark Avatar. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason he got laser powers that the other avatar never had. I have had. a question. Was We was have all Unilock, the questions. After uh, Unilock and the bad uh, kite guy <laughs> That was a bad kite. Did he did he was he able to bend the elements? No, just water. Okay. Yeah, because he had never learned so, but okay. shouldn't he be able to bend no, all the elements? He had never trained. Because Korra was a... Uh, what is it? The lion turtles gave the elements yes. to Rava, and when they fused, Wong got all of them. And so, um, Unalak, that's what happened. Unalak only had water. Wow. Uh, Ra uh, Vatu didn't have any of the other, any of the other elements. So, <laughs> that uh, he didn't have the other elements. Unalak. But he got okay. to become a but giant when, laser monster. Right. But when Rava was ripped out of Korra, then she no longer had the ability to bend anything else but water, right? No, she was. She still had all four elements. The lion turtles never said that it was impossible to, for one person to have mm -hmm. um, all Just four. Not they at the same it's time. Never, they said that it was ne never done. They yeah, said they it was did never say that. that. It was never. It has never been done that one person held more than. But one the, only yeah. reason, so the only reason, the only way he was able to hold all four she... was because he fused with Rava. 
Is Rava Java helped them, them for him? Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, But yes, now yes. Rava's but again, pulled out. It was never... Okay, yes, but it was never explicitly said that they couldn't hold more than one. Okay, so they had... Rava had it, they fused, and so now every other person is just able to do it now. Okay, no, I want to pump the brakes on this right now. It. Hold on, hold on. I want to... Wait, wait. We need to pump the brakes. Okay. I, I want to make sure that this is being understood about um, what's being said because I, I myself am, feel like I'm getting lost. Um, so I can slow down a little bit. Okay, so... Peter is saying, and at least this was my impression, in that and I, I, I that the only way the Avatar was able to even bend all of the elements was because Rava held them and that they mm-hmm. fused together. David, what you're saying is that while may that may be a common held belief, was never explicitly or technically stated in that the potential exists in any person to master the elements. It's just very rare if hardly done at all. Okay, but why it is it rare or hardly done? It had never been done. Okay, but why does the world then treat the Avatar as the only person that can bend all four elements and no one else because, does? Because nobody else did after that. But I feel like it's it's I feel like it's presented in the way that no one else could. The only reason he was able to do it was because the Rava spirit within him m- gave, gave him, him the elements. power to not die by holding all four. Once Rava is pulled out, the ability to hold all four is lost. Or at least that's how it technically should be according to their rules set up we don't know that because again a spirit cannot go into a human but it did so when she goes in no but only for a little no for all time they were fused for 10,000 years before they fused but before they fused though it's like whenever she would go in she would pass through him it was or pass through yes but like she would only give them one, and that's that was the rule that the lion turtle said. Is like you, like I'll give it to Rava, but you need to master all of them and to like, you know, before you can learn another one or have them all. Or basically, I feel like the fact that we're even having this debate makes it clear that the show didn't do the job it needed to explain <laughs> all of this. Am I right there? Because no, yeah, I, I feel like... But I, I mean, I understand what David is saying. Da- I understand what he's saying, too. And perhaps that may be the point of view of Kunietzko and Dean Martino. I don't deny that. But at the same time, I feel like there's enough in the show that goes against that. I I, I, I don't know. I okay. feel like I, I'm, I'm kind of like thrown in a loop here. What, what, what show did I just watch? David, <laughs> if I grant you that, okay. I'm not, but if I do... <laughs> How do you explain that she is able to turn into a giant blue laser monster without Rava? Or any of the spirits, since they're technically trying to kill her, right? That's... I thought it was the tree spirit that helped her do it. It kind of wasn't the tree. It was that she is now fully, like, spiritually, like, um, at peace, basically. Like, Jenora. 
you know, she's able to cross like in and out of the spirit world like whenever she could have. The way she she the her, way Uncle Iroh did. Mm-hmm. It was something like that, basically. As as to how she turned into a giant blue person, I really don't know. But like that is her spirit though. That's how strong it is. And that's kind of what they were trying to go for in this season, is that she is this super powerful being. But but she She's okay, hold on, so sorry, powerful sorry, she doesn't she need was the very trying, spirit that gave her the, power. No, 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 hold on. Sorry, no, that, was, that was a horrible example. Uh, what I was trying to go for is that what they were trying to go for this season, at least with her character and with Tenzin, almost, I guess I'll just focus on Korra, is that she's already mastered the Avatar stage. She already mastered the elements. But she's holding herself down, trying to live up to Aang. And then when she finds out about Wan, about what he did, now she's trying to live up to him. And it's Tenzin that when he realizes, like, after the fog, he's like, don't try to live up to them. Like, you're you're special in your own way. And so it's not... And so her becoming this blue spirit, mm-hmm. that's her kind of going, I... Having these elements, having Rava, did not define me who I am. Did, does not define that I am the Avatar. I am just a powerful person myself that I could do this on my own, of with, with my own spirit, with my own power, within. And like that's that was that's the spirits that they were trying See, to go. This is for. where I ask myself: Did we watch the same? Yeah, episode? I don't know. <laughs> like. <laughs> She does look up to Aang, but I don't. I don't think she ever suffered an identity. You mean Tenzin? An identity um, crisis about like I can't live up to Aang, or I can't live up to. Um, I don't. Really I mean, think she so. she doubts herself the entire show. What are you talking about? Yeah, I think he's again, talking it's, about it's specifically an, toward, but Aang. it's not specifically towards yeah, anyone well, else. I, it's more of her own self, where she gets. I don't. It, it's not. I don't know. Well, maybe using Aang wasn't the right word, but like just to live up to expectations, everybody else's expectations of what. That. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the way the reason why I said Aang is because, um, you know, she wanted to become the Avatar. Like, and I, I, I don't know if I explained it in the last episode, but she does want to be this big hero of the world, just like Aang. Yeah. So that's why I said that she wants to live up to Aang. It's just that she's not. She wants to do it by becoming a hero instead of. But I guess you know, if your ultimate conclusion to that is she inexplicably turns into a big blue monster and kicks ass anyways. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like the first half of the season just handled it so much better where she did want to be the hero and, and come in and fix everything. But it was ended up being so much more complicated and simply punching or bent. She couldn't punch or bend her way out of it. She'd have to look deeper within herself um, to properly address the problem. Whereas this, at the end, it's just like, we took away all your powers, but not really technically, because you can (laughs) still have all the power to turn into a big blue laser monster. You said that people had issues 
with the first half and not the second half? Well, because people love Juan and they love laser shows. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't. I, and then, I mean, I still don't know what, what Janora did. Okay, so that's why I have <laughs> I have here a, a list of questions. This was published on the AV Club. This critic reviewed this episode when it first aired years and years ago. And these are the questions that they had. Thing I didn't understand, number one. Rava gets... There's a, there's a list of these. Uh, Rava gets mm-hmm. sucked out of Korra, then smacked to death? How did that happen? Um, which some of this Peter may have already brought mm-hmm. up here. Um, thing I didn't understand, number two. Dark Avatar powers seem to have a lot more specific bonuses than Avatars, like the power of vines and being a giant glowy guy and shooting big blasty beams out of your chest. Yeah, why he has well, that, that was power, only I because. Well, that was only because Rava got destroyed, remember? So, in, in the... Oh, shit. Uh, in the origin story, the more spirits became evil, the Okay, more, but then the opposite... The more smaller Rava got... Should be true. Hmm? And since uh, Vatu gets destroyed at the end, shouldn't that mean that moving forward, since the, all the, the, the great evil is destroyed... That Korra should be able to turn into a big glowing monster whenever she wants. Again, though, we don't really know that she destroyed Vatu. She did it like destroy him the way Vatu destroyed Rava. I feel like we're going in a circle. I, 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 we're, we're waggling the same. Wagging the. Oh my! We're circling the same thing. David here. I don't is even fucking know. with me. Okay. I know this. Thing I, <laughs> oh, I <laughs> look. Okay, thing I didn't understand. Number three. Hey, did anybody notice that it looked like Korra airbends herself up into the tree of time? Wouldn't she be yep. back to just being a waterbender? I know, David, you're kind of already we, addressed we, that. Oh, we went into um, that already. <laughs> yeah. Thing I didn't understand. Number four. Uh, this, quoting, I think, um, I think Boomy may have said this. Uh, what did you say to her exactly? I imagine that Tenzin's response to that was, I have no idea, but I... I but glad it worked. I was baffled. I was as baffled as Boomy when giant blue Korra climbed out of the tree, and it didn't become much clearer by the end of the episode. Aside from vague <laughs> spiritual mumbo jumbo, made it so. Uh, though giant Korra stomping around Republic City, solving problems by kneeing them in the face and then throwing them into a mountain, was sort of the perfect encapsulation of her personality. I tried going through the timeline to see if I was missing some sort of cause and effect. Yeah. No question. The tree of time, as far as I can tell, it acts. I'm sorry, somebody was saying something? No question about Janora? There is. No, there is. (laughs) Okay. There is. Um, But I was just. Already, I'm like, thing I didn't understand, number four. Here it is. What the hell happened with Janara? <laughs> I legit thought she'd blown herself up for the good of the world for a hot second, but no. <laughs> no dead kids on Nickelodeon. What did she do? I haven't the slightest idea other than be a spirit, a special spirit kid. Seriously, I don't have a clue. Anybody know? Um, again, I don't know how she did what she did, but I know what she did. Because... <laughs> I mean, I guess you could kind of say it's like, you know, when people have like uh, a sixth sense type of thing, you know, she can 
<laughs> I mean, not that she can like do that. Whatever but what we can here, she can be like super connected to the spirit world. Again, I don't know about the whole glowy thing, but I mean, that's just you know, you just kind of because at one it. point, but she 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 goes away from Tenzin and she's like, my my you know the force is telling me that Korra's gonna need my help, mm. so she just runs off into the spirit world, and I assumed mm. like. They would come back to her at some point and see what she's doing, but just fucking randomly in the in the middle of the fight, she floats down yeah. like in encapsulated in light, and then she explodes, and then it's like, oh, okay, she mm-hmm. did it. I don't. No, what yeah. did she do? It's... How did she do it? Why did she? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that was so weird. And then I guess the thing is like Cora oh. pulls out um the the good spirit but what 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 was stopping what's his name from you know I don't know when just turning around and pulling out the bad spirit again like they could have just gone back and forth pulling each other's spirits out <laughs> Well the, he had to do the thing that Janora did Oh he didn't have a he didn't have a Janora like... that's right yeah. I, and also, um, to explain how he turned into a giant mm-hmm. monster, basically, and how Concord didn't turn that way, it could have just been Rava herself not wanting to do that. Because <laughs> I can definitely understand Vatu being like, all right, she's gone. Let's turn into this giant motherfucker and destroy this world. Whereas I Rava mean, could have been like... I feel like we, we've, um, we've gone beyond the point of... Uh, what's on the episode and we're just trying to justify what happened. I don't think a lot of these answers are there to be quite frank. Maybe they are, but they, they're they not that clear. Um, one issue I had with the second half of the season, as far as a choreography standpoint, I felt the action to be so much less interesting because everybody was just, it was a light show. It was just lasers back and forth. It, it just, mm-hmm. it, it became kind of the same by the end of like, this was like what the last two episodes. Um, I don't know. It felt a little like over my head. I mean, in general, everything here was over my head, but the fighting itself I felt was so uninteresting. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, I think the first season had definitely had more memorable fights. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember any of the fights in this season. Uh, a question here. There. Yeah, I know. That's a different issue altogether. Um, so, when this episode ends, the season ends, then there is um, this question that I gotta be honest, it kind of came out of nowhere for me, and I really want to know if you guys were expecting this to happen, but the question of, what if humans and spirits and spirits weren't meant to live apart? I guess they kind of toy with that um, when they introduce Juan and everything, and how they separated them in the first place, but when Korra up and decides, no, I'm gonna keep the portals open, I don't know, it felt like that came out of 
nowhere for me. Well, because the story was no longer about the spirits. It was about how it was about fighting the great evil. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I guess this whole story kicked off because there was unusual spirit activity because um, they weren't using the land correctly. And da, 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 da. again, they try to mash two completely different stories together. And it's just so wonky and weird. Mm. Like this, the vine powers. I, a part of me feels like that's a leftover from, again, it, the message of the spirits sort of going crazy, sort of an environmental reason as well as spiritual. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a leftover of that. But it doesn't make sense because... Vatu just represents evil. Like, I guess vines are evil? Like, I don't know. And, and it's the same thing with the, the spirit um, opening the spirit portals. That could have been, like, in a different uh, universe where, like, season two was a lot better. That could have been, like, the great uniting, I don't know, factor that would end the civil war so to speak and bring both sides to sort of a happy medium you know mm. uh, i i don't know um but here it's just kind of like i guess spirits are pretty cool yeah let's open it up shall we <laughs> i don't know yeah it, it's just such an afterthought i don't know uh one one uh, interesting point that this critic pointed out, um, Asami got one line in this episode. <laughs> she was in the episode? I know. I forgot. I think she was at the end with Katara, I think, because they were looking after Janara's body, right? Because she had still mm-hmm. not... No. Wait. Yeah. Was it Janara? Was Janara. Okay, because the other airbenders were back on Airbender Island. Yeah, they were. Right? They were on Airbender Island. Okay. Right. Okay. Wow. Um, what a season. I know. I, I... I just, like, I don't know. I... Like, I... Like I said last episode, I understand people, like, not liking them. Except for, like, those that are just because she's a girl. Like, whatever. You're fucking stupid. But, like... People's complaints about it, like genuine complaints. Yeah. Uh, like I understand, like I understand what you guys are saying too. Like it's very confusing and stuff, and it's, you know, it's it's like different for everybody. Um, but I totally forgot where I was going. <laughs> I mean, at no point did I feel like angry about it. I, I more or less, when I was watching this, I was. Especially the last few episodes, or the last two, I was kind of confused by it, um, mostly. But even then, um, there was a lot of strong elements in the season. Um, oh, I remember. Yes. Um, but I feel bad for the creators, or whoever made this, because I feel like they genuinely like wanted to tell the story and do it justice. And they just like did not have that, and were not given the opportunity to do that. Yeah, they they got screwed so many times. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> which time? That that's kind of the uh, the ongoing uh, 
joke in their life, kind of, or at least the joke's on them. Um, they keep getting really screwed in that sense. I I feel like when you take a step back and you find out that uh, this could have been the last season, you see evidence of, well, yeah, they wanted to throw this in there. Um, I don't know. I I think this is clearly the least, uh, I think the weakest season. I think there are significant deficiencies. I mean, look, we haven't talked about Bolin kind of at all. Um, Mako and Asami were afterthoughts. There were a lot of lingering issues um, throughout the season um, that very easily make it the weakest of the four. Um, and there's, it is very, very ambitious. Um, <laughs> but I'm not left feeling angry um, overall. And I think it is very largely saved by the fact that the next two seasons were a significant uh, step up in quality. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if this had been the last season, dear God, we would have maybe have gone through another situation where the ending kind of leaves people cold. Um, Yeah. Anybody else have any other thoughts to say before we close today? Mm. No. <laughs> I, this I I really liked the first season. Obviously, we talked about mm-hmm. this, and the second season left me very conflicted and ultimately slightly more negative. Um. Mm-hmm. Again, I really think it came down to the creators just getting fucked by Nickelodeon so many times uh, because again, I thought the first season was good. This season just really dropped the ball, but these next two seasons I really, really enjoy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I definitely have my issues, but it's not enough to change my entire view of the show. <laughs> In fact, in this in this uh, critic review that I have open, they mention here that Nickelodeon aired the finale of this season. Um, they changed the time slot on such short notice. Like at the last minute. Oh, instead of it being on this time, the finale airs earlier, in fact. Wow. They fucking suck. <laughs> yeah, so... I, it's so incredible that they did not just, like, get up, like, got up and left that's it's too many things yeah i'm glad they didn't because we wouldn't have gotten the last two seasons but shit. no i mean the last two seasons really are kind of the the show's bread and butter mm-hmm. uh going forward uh but yeah i i feel this would be the most negative we get um with the series but thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for listening. We have a lot of content coming your way. We still have two more episodes to finish off Legend of Korra. Um, and our regular new shows, which are always filled with such death and tragedy and, you know, things burning down. So stay tuned for those. Uh, Mulan, 
month on Fantasy Fair is coming. And then in October, a lot of scary stuff. We want to do commentaries for uh, The Shining and Doctor Sleep. And we also want to dive into Mike Flanagan's Haunting series on Netflix. Uh, coming soon, of which we're all looking forward to. But thank you, Alexis and David and Peter, for your unfiltered and honest uh, thoughts here. Um, it didn't get as explosive, surprisingly. We usually get more, um, I guess, mean. But I don't know. Maybe it's the spirit of... Maybe we're just so confused. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I kind of got lost a couple of times this last yeah. hour. But um, that is kind of the nature of it. But anyway, catch us every Sunday and sometimes on Thursdays uh, under our spotlight. And until next time, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>